You're listening to For Fork's Sake, and I'm Beck Perino. Please join me for conversations about the emotional space between why we cook and why we eat and have a forking good time. I haven't had a decent foodie chat since giving birth to my third child in February, but I have been writing a lot. I haven't been out for a meal in so long, I can't remember the last restaurant I went to, but I have cooked some epic dishes at home. In some ways, having three children under the age of three has disconnected me from the Sydney foodscape. So I'm thankful for the food bloggers I follow on social media, and I have no choice but to live vicariously through their foodie adventures. I sat down for a chat with Jess Risk. She runs the fantastic food blog JR Eats. Jess eats at some awesome establishments that range from your local hole-in-the-wall type cafe or burger joint to classy restaurants with Michelin star-rated chefs. She provides her followers with first impressions and genuine reviews. We had a great chat about her family food culture and her experiences with food blogging. But the thing that got me in all the feels was what Jess's food adventures have done for her personally. Jess is so easy to talk to and I instantly felt I could relate to so much of what she had to say. Hearing her experiences makes me ever so grateful for the power food has in bringing people together. Jess, thanks so much for being my first interview back since having my little baby girl. Thank you so much for having me and congratulations. Thank you. Thanks very much. I feel a little bit out of the loop with all things food since um, I haven't been able to get out much with the little one and then before that in lockdown, it's like as if I'm fully disconnected from what's going on in the food world at the moment. Yeah, I mean Uber Eats was probably a good thing for everyone. I think oh, Uber yeah. Eats. That was like <laughs> the only thing to the roof. look forward to for us. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, so completely relate to that. But I want to have a chat with you about your awesome food blog, um, obviously. But the first thing that I want to talk about is your um, what was food like in your household growing up? Yeah, um, so obviously – well, I'm Lebanese. Not many people actually think that I'm Lebanese, but I'm Lebanese. And um, growing up, um, you know, in a Lebanese household, food was obviously very important for all of us. Um, for as long as I can remember, every single Sunday, my dad makes this skimbine dish, which is raw meat. And he has to have lunch at 12 o'clock, not a minute over. Um, and then he will have a glass of adult with it. So um, he'll drink that and then he'll fall asleep for two hours. So that's every Sunday. Um, that's how it's always been. And yeah, I mean, he does a lot of Lebanese cooking. Mum, she moved here when she was nine. So she can cook a lot of like international cuisine. Um, she's quite well known for her Chinese food and yeah, I've just been able to experience a lot of different cuisines, like living at home and, um, you know, when I was a lot younger as well, like we would have to beg to get takeaway food as well. <laughs> yeah. Every Saturday would be like, will you please get McDonald's? And my parents, like it would always be like a mission to try and get takeaway food. So um, home cooking was very big in our family. And yeah, I mean, my parents, you know, God bless them. They're still young at heart and they can still cook. So I still get home cooked meals all the time. Yeah, I love that. And Yeah. So talk to me a little bit more about um, your dad in the kitchen because this is something that I, um, I've i seen quite a lot growing up with very close Lebanese friends. Um, 
we usually see the the men of the Lebanese household, they stick to just the, the barbecue. So whenever we've been mm. invited over for Lebanese barbecue, the man has always been in control with that and the the woman of the household has kind of been inside making all of the side dishes, the tabula and any other salad or whatever and all of the um, veggies that go that go mm. with um, the meal. So your dad makes his own kibbana. Is yeah. does he do anything else on a Sunday, or is it just that one dish that is like? That's the... basically yeah. That's that's basically his pride and joy. You know, they like they go to the the butcher together and they get the meat together. But my dad has to. I don't think I've ever seen my mum make kibbe. If I'm being completely honest. Yeah. Wow. I never know she knows how to make it. Um, <laughs> I've actually got to ask her that. Um, yeah, no, that, like that's his big dish. But look, if the barbecue's going, he'll obviously get onto the barbecue. Mum will actually, you know, prepare the chicken. So she'll go and cut the chicken up or marinate it and she'll give it to him. But um, there's been times where they just both take the turns on the barbecue as well. Um, my dad also makes other things in the house as well. So he makes spaghetti. Um, he'll make the dabuli. He's, he's very proud of that as well. Yeah, good on him. Um, yeah, so I feel like... I don't feel like one does more than the other. I feel like they both share the cooking quite equally and um, it's just great to see my parents do it together. You know, it doesn't mean that like the mum has to do more or the dad has to do more. So, yeah. Yeah, I love that. And does your dad enjoy um, the different cultural dishes that your mum prepares or is he very much about Lebanese food? (laughs) He tolerates it. He'll eat it. But, like, he loves going out for Chinese food. Like, he loves, like, Canterbury Leagues is, like, his favourite place to go out for Chinese. Um, We also used to visit Blue Dragon in Northmead. So it's not like he just... You know, it, like he, he's a true Lebanese at heart. Like he loves it. He yeah. loves Lebanese Lebanese food, and we all do. But um, I think when it comes to cooking, that's the thing that he enjoys cooking the most. But then I've also seen him like help her with the sanchoi bao as well. So yeah, cool. Um, you know, I think moving here to Australia, I think it's definitely opened his eyes a lot more to to different cultures. Because, but even in Lebanon as well, I can say that last time I was there, um, geez, I had sushi, I had Chinese food. So yeah, cool. I think. Yeah, it's it's definitely showing a lot more culture over there as well. So, yeah, that's awesome. Um, what would you say is one of the best dishes that your mum makes? <laughs> she makes this really good um, almond chicken dish. So it's got like crispy, like these crispy noodles, chicken. It's got like water chestnuts, mushroom. I don't know where she got the recipe from, but I know that um, like I've gone downstairs and I've seen all these old cooking books that she used to collect when she was like single in her younger days so I think she still refers to those as well but yeah like I mean I love my I love going out for Chinese food but I've got to say for like what my mum makes she's she's pretty good at it so that's awesome yeah and then I have to like Gibby like my dad makes really good Gibby he says that he's Gibby is like the best in town and I have to admit it is yeah I stopped eating it for a bit actually oh really why at one stage yeah I um I don't know I think it was just the idea of raw meat like (laughs) there was one period where I like went vegan for a month and then went vegetarian and um even now like I don't eat it every single Sunday but I'm I'm still at the the lunch table every Sunday just sharing it with them because it's a memory in itself you know yeah that is really a dish, like even the way it's served um, is really something that is made to be shared as a family and it's almost kind of just like a ritual in itself. Yeah. It's not just about how delicious it is, 
but it's it's almost like everybody just has to get their hands in there and, and everyone dance. knows about it as well like I've got a lot of friends who aren't even Lebanese and they're so familiar with it like sometimes I feel like I need to explain what it is but as soon as I say it they're like oh yeah I know what that is yeah I love it it's one of my favorite things to be honest the oil I, and the, yeah, the onions so and the yeah <laughs> all the little garnishes the radish the whole thing yeah yeah so good <laughs> um so what about you have you been involved in the kitchen with your family have you learned any of the cultural dishes no I'll admit I don't cook (laughs) (laughs) I don't cook at all the only thing that I've ever really like well I've been cooking a lot lately because I've I've just been so busy like I work an office job you know nine to five thirty and then if I'm not working in the office then obviously I do my food stuff on the side so I don't actually get the chance to cook um and if I do it's like a hello fresh box or something um a part of me like I do want to learn from my parents and you know like my mum always says to me like I've got to teach you because like once you move out like your husband's not going to eat anything so I've got to teach you how to cook Lebanese food and yeah it's just I don't know I think it's just the space that I'm in like I still live at home and I think if I had my own place and it was like my own kitchen and it's, it's my own element my own space and I'd probably feel a lot better about cooking. I feel like I can concentrate a bit more on it. Yeah. Um, so I think when I have to cook, I will, but I'll admit my parents spoil me. Yeah. <laughs> like they just, they, they do everything for me. So um, I, I'm just trying to enjoy yeah. the life enjoy while it I still can. Lasts. Yeah. yeah. I will I mean, say look, I, that I, I can definitely relate to that though because like even though mum let me in the kitchen quite a bit and taught me most of our cultural dishes and got me really involved the best cooking I did was when I moved into my own place and it was my kitchen and I was shopping yeah. for ingredients and I wasn't scrambling through what mum had prepped for the week even though there was a large part of my life at home where I was cooking a lot for the family because mum started working in retail yeah. once we were all kind of independent. She was like, oh, I'm going to have work. my time. I'm going to go and work. And so she was doing a lot of late afternoons and evening shifts. So it being the only daughter, it kind of fell on me to you know, not, wouldn't say that it was in a way that like my brothers or my dad did nothing, but it kind of fell on me to look after them a little bit more. So I did really start doing a lot of the cooking, but when I moved out and I got married really young, so I was only 23 when I got married Mm. and, um, I did some of the best cooking in that first few years where, um, my hubby and I weren't training for bodybuilding competitions or trying for children or yeah yeah I did some really phenomenal cooking so you will I reckon you'll learn you'll take your your mum's cookbooks and she'll give you a lesson I definitely want to keep them I definitely want to keep them like I've seen those books god since I was a little kid and I think (laughs) so you know I used to have like show and tell at school yeah I don't know if I actually called it show and tell here I think that's an American thing but Everyone had these cool things to bring, and I swear to you, I bought a cooking book. I love that. That's <laughs> my show and tell. And I think everyone was like, what? Like, that's not exciting. But for me, it was. Oh, like, I just I, th- I thought about this the other day, and, um, yeah, it's, it's just crazy. I remember it was, like, one of those old red books. That they're still here, but, yeah, I was pretty excited to, to share it. So even though, like, I loved reading them, I just never got around to cooking it. But I'm glad that, you know, the books are still around, and I don't think – she'd ever throw them out. I don't think I would ever throw them out. Um, And I love watching cooking shows. Like I love seeing what people put together and stuff, but it's just the kitchen's huge. There's Mm. just so much stuff in there and 
yeah, I think when I'm in a in my own space, I will do it, or when I have to do it. But yeah, it can be overwhelming as well if you've got like so many cuisines happening in a kitchen. Like just in, yeah. just in comparison, like I when I spend time with my with my nonno, so my grandfather, mm. if I open his pantry. There's not a lot in there, but it's because he's got, he has just staple ingredients and then he only cooks with like fresh produce or fresh meat, chicken or fish. Mm, mm. And it's just then Italian food. So the ingredients in his pantry are just for that cuisine. And same with like mm. my in-laws, for example, they, all their ingredients is ingredients in the pantry or fridge are just for Italian food. Cause that's the the you know the prominent meal meals that they cook are from their own mm. cultural background but if you open my pantry someone's head would explode that, that's got, our pantry as like, well even just my my shelf for my spices will blow your mind because i'm always dabbling with so many cuisines so if you've got to keep a well-stocked pantry for that for someone else that would be totally overwhelming it's like where do you even start they've got a drawer full of spices then they've got the pantry then obviously being well we've got two kitchens so we've got one kitchen upstairs one kitchen downstairs um you have to it's just standard um so there is a lot going on but god and then you've got obviously everything in the freezer so you know you buy Mm -hmm. meat well in advance and then you like write little dates on it and Mm -hmm. so there, there is a lot going on but yeah it's just I like as I said I will get around to it eventually but I I do love food but just not cooking it yeah you've got well not now <laughs> yeah when you're in your own space and you kind of have to and even then your, to your dad will probably still be dropping off plates of um kibbeneh for you oh he does <laughs> it he does it he, but he needs to have it every sunday like with it, like even like for mother's day we um we couldn't leave uh, sorry my sister couldn't leave her place because her baby hadn't been vaccinated so um, my dad ended up like making it and then going over to her place. But of course he has to sleep after lunch. So we went over, we ate it and he's like, all right, drop me back home. I've got to have my two hour nap. So Sometimes good. it's three. Sometimes it's four hours, depending on what the ratio is of adult to water. Yeah. So if there's more adult than water, he goes for about four hours. Now that ara is, um, it's like a licorice, isn't it? It's like yeah, a yeah. Lebanese version of Sambuca. <laughs> But yeah, you mix, it's but you mix it with water and it goes cloudy, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. yeah so, so I, I um. My first time was when I was 13 and I was in Lebanon when it happened and no one told me that you were supposed to sip on it and it's only served in like a really little glass and what I did was it was in a much bigger glass and I I decided to scull the whole thing. I had it all (laughs) hit and I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine and then I think like, oh, God, like maybe a couple of hours later we were at a, a christening at the church in the village and I'm sitting next to my mum in church and I was like, well, oh, so she, no. put her hand, she put her hand over my mouth and we ran out the church and I just threw up over the balcony. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, and that was when I was 13. I'm 33 now. I'll be 33 in June. And the last time I touched Otto after that was maybe like three months ago, four months ago. Yeah, wow. So I hadn't touched it in that long and I went to – um. I went to Gibraltar in Mount Lewis. Oh, I yes. went for a dinner. Yeah, yeah so it's such a good place. Um, I'm all about like the authentic Lebanese uh, Lebanese restaurants. Um, and then that was the first time I had it since that horrible incident. And I didn't, I didn't mind it. I drank it properly. Yeah, I sipped it, which is how you should do it. But um, 
Yeah. Well, lots of people have an experience with any, like most um, yep. <laughs> most of the Mediterranean has their version of that licorice drink. So I think mm. the Greeks have the the wolves Ouzo. and yeah. Yeah, Italians have the sambuca. And if you if that repeats on you, it's not something that you'll go back to very very quickly. So I know what you're talking about. Yeah, well, it took me like twenty years to get into yeah, it. So wow. At least I got back to it. But um, one yeah, who drinks mean, that in in the the Italian version, the Arnici, we call it. He drinks mm. it in his coffee. It's quite nice. Really? Yeah. First thing in the morning too good stuff well, all the all the men say things like they're like oh I, I think i ran into this like old man like he's like from the lebanese village and he's like i start my day with a glass of scotch mm. that's why i never get sick and i'm like okay but i'm not gonna drink scotch every day no but i mean i do love i do love like yeah i love whiskey i love scotch i like i can drink that sort yeah, of that's stuff my favorite thing <laughs> <laughs> it's so good I've, I've been on i've been on a few dates where like because I also drink cognac as well, so mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a Hennessy girl. So mm-hmm. I think um, I went out on this date once and this guy ordered a cocktail and I had the Henny and the um, the guy like came with the drinks and he he didn't take our order, he was just serving them. And he gave the cocktail to me and then the Hennessy to the guy and I was like, no, no, it's, <laughs> it's the other way around. This happens so, to like, me all the time with my yeah. husband. He always, he always always drinking what, what the bartender thinks I should be drinking. Who's to say that I can't drink a whiskey? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned this. When I first went um, went to Italy, so I'm first gen Australian, and when I went back, I, when I went for the first time, I was 17. And in all the small um, villages down south where I'm from, so mum and dad are from two different regions um, of Italy and small towns, and I went and visited all the family. And um, from there all the way through to Milan and everywhere I went where I had Rellos, they'd take me out in the morning and they would get me like an aperitivo, an aperitif, like for like, and I'd be like, oh, isn't it like 8.30 in the morning? Like are we seriously really? having our, like we'd get an espresso and something like that or um, like a Campari or um, a grappa because it was really cold when I was there. And I'm I just really like, this is a lifestyle. Seriously, this idiot, it was a lifestyle. They were literally drinking grappa in the morning. I don't know if it was just because we were there, but I'm surprised that a, a bar would even serve you your espresso yeah. and a shot of grappa next to it. Or you could just walk in at 10 o'clock in the morning and have a Campari or something. It was, that's amazing. Yeah, that really, that's why I'm, I'm not, you know, and even still to this day on all the um, religious feasts and everything that we have Mm -hmm. like from easter to christmas or whatever anything in between if we go and spend time with my with my nonno on the table he's always got like chocolates italian biscuits and then all the liquors are on the table and it's like 10 o'clock in the morning and he's already getting us into all the liquors i've only ever seen that at weddings yeah, no. In the morning. That's how, yeah, that's really any kind of feast or festival, that's how my family's always done it. So, wow. yeah. yeah no, we, I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's like like for the Lebanese, but I know that like when we go out in Lebanon, we don't go out until like midnight and then we just spend all day sleeping in the morning. But no, like I used to wake up in the morning, in, like mornings in Lebanon and I would have, um, my parents would make the Lebanese coffee and then we'd go oh. and get manoush, like we'd walk down to the bakery or we'd have like my dad's sisters come and bring it over. So that was, that was breakfast every morning, no alcohol, but yeah. my bush and yeah. coffee. Yeah. Oh, so good. So, so good. Like good. even here, 
a lot of people like talk about, you know, all these like modern Lebanese restaurants like in this city and, and, you know, like Lebanese fusion, whatever. But for me, like I just go straight to authentic yeah. Lebanese. And I think Alicil and Greenacre and Gibrons are probably like the two that I would say like are quite authentic. Yeah, Gibrons is our favourite. We're not far from there, so yummy. We love it. Yeah. It's so good. I'm glad you know it. Not many people know no, about it. No, it's so good. We've had a couple of really <laughs> intense food gatherings up in the top <laughs> room there. Where it gets yeah, a my sister bit, had her 21st there. It gets a little bit crazy there, but it's all fun. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's how we do. We're, we're yeah. just crazy. I that, love that, it. Yeah, that does. Yeah. Just the right amount to suit the Italians as well, I think. No, it. we're all the same at the end of the day. We're all loud. We all love our food. Yeah. That's and that's why we all just get along with each other. Yeah, that's so true. So true. Yeah. Um, all right. So I was gonna ask you, Jess. So I was looking, I was having a look at your food blog and I read a little bit about kind of where your um your ventures with JR Eats started. And you mentioned that you had um like one of your first breakfast collaborations in 2021 and it opened up mm-hmm. all this opportunity for socialization. So can you tell me a little bit about um what that was like for you and um what blogging and these collaborations have done for you personally? Yeah, so I mean, God, I've been taking photos of food for as long as I can remember. Like I even, like one of the memories I can think of right now is when I was in America in 2010, I went to my uncle's deli in, um, it's in uh, Eastern Pennsylvania. And I remember like taking a photo of his um, club sandwich, which was, God, so good. Um, So I used to like start taking photos then. And then in 2020, um, I was having a bit of a chat with my workmates and they were talking about how one of their friends got like a free cake on Instagram because she was posting photos and I'm like, I want free cake. Like, how do I do this? (laughs) And I had my own Instagram account. Like I was posting photos of like the most random shit. And then I started to find that a lot of my stories and and posts started to become about food. Cause um, I'll admit, I didn't really have much of a social life. I didn't really have many friends. And when I did go out, I felt like if I took photos of you know, food or me being out that it showed people that I actually did have mm. a life or, you know, I was exciting. So anyway, I decided in, I think it was around October that I was going to start my own Instagram page dedicated to food. And I, um, I did everything solo and I actually had a page called Delicious Eats and I had 1600 followers and then it got hacked and I had to like prove who I was. And I was just like, Oh my God. Oh, fuck this I'm never going to get it back mm. um and then I just decided to you know start again and that's when I that's when I came up with JREs and yeah did everything by myself and because I've got a really really small appetite I could only order like one meal and my photos were literally just like one shot yeah and then I started seeing like you know these invites going out and people like working together and um, shout out to Cynthia Eats because she's the first foodie that invited me. Um, she sent an invite out for, yeah, breakfast in Marrickville. It was 7 a.m. on a Sunday. And, God, I would sleep in till late on Sunday. So for me to get up and be there at 7, it was a big thing. And I'll admit, I was scared shitless. <laughs> like, I, like, as I said, I wasn't very social. So for me to go meet a you know, a new person that like I've never really spoken to before was, you know, it was quite nerve wracking. But as soon as we sat down and we started talking, you know, obviously we've 
got the same thing in common. We both love food and food photography and we clicked straight away and I had a lot of fun and that's just how it started. You know, she gave me more confidence to, you know, meet other, like meet other foodies. I wanted to get more involved. I wanted to like go out with other people and, um, and shoot together. And I think it was maybe like a few weeks after that, not even, I ended up meeting another couple of foodies. And then I started going to like bigger events and yeah, it's been a year now. Well, yeah, just over a year. I don't even know what month we're in anymore, a year and a few months (laughs) that I've been doing this. And I think I found my style and, and what what I like to do and who I like to hang out with. And I've realized now that I'm more into smaller groups than the the big, yeah, big, because I still suffer from social anxiety. Like I was at an event um, not long ago where I was a little bit anxious because it was just a room full of all these random people, but it's definitely, definitely changed my confidence, yeah, you know? That. So it's, it's all about food, but it was also for me about making friends. Like some of my closest friends now are through the food community. Yeah, cool. So it's done very well for me. I love that food has done that for you. That's yeah. so good. And you mentioned that you're a small eater, like you're, you've got um, a small appetite. When you're mm. hanging around some of these foodies, I'm imagining that some of them have really big appetites. How do you go actually sitting down and having a meal with some of them? Like, I'm do very... They, do they make comments like, you ought to try this and then you're already like bursting at the seams. And it- when I first started, yeah, like it was, I think a lot of people were trying to like, and even now I still get comments from even people that I don't go out with that say, oh my God, like how do you eat all that food and you and you look like that? And I kind of just now come out and say, look, to be honest, I don't eat that much. It, like I'm not going to lie, I'll eat enough for me to try it. Yeah. Um, but I know that like, like when I go out now and I know that I'm, you know, receiving a lot in return because some venues are really generous and they'll give you like a lot of food. I make sure that I invite people who will eat it. I don't let, I don't like to let food go to waste and stuff. So I definitely keep in mind like who I bring with, like who I bring to help me eat that kind of food. Um, But yeah, for me, it's like, I I don't want to force myself to eat like too much, but that's just how I am. I've got a very, very small appetite and people get that and people, understand it like now if if we don't finish it we take it away so yeah yeah good. I just eat I eat um I don't change anything for anyone that's just how I've always been yeah. um yeah, I know that there's a lot of food I tend to bring the ones that eat a lot more than I do <laughs> and I'm full with that and so are they <laughs> yeah see I'm I struggle with eating with other people so um mm. I have select people that I really enjoy eating with and then like it's not to say that I won't eat with people it's just to say that there are times where it makes me feel really self-conscious eating with other people yeah. or yeah I just feel like I like there are times where it's been really difficult and it's because there are like lots of people have made comments over the years about my eating habits. So mm. like I'm, I too have um, a, a little bit of social anxiety and a lot of it is about centers on food. So mm. say I'm, you know, like in the past I've done bodybuilding competitions and um, prepping for competitions and then having to be in a social environment where I can't eat any of the food has been really mm. challenging because there's always people that are asking questions, oh, why aren't you eating? Um, you know, are you on some kind of diet or something? Like, or you don't need to be on a diet, like especially during that period of time. Yeah. And then when I was 
um, coming out of bodybuilding and doing my best to get out of this extreme deficit that was having me lose extreme amounts of weight, um, I remember people started commenting and saying things like, oh, are you eating that much food now? My goodness, are you just going to let yourself go now? And like just little comments like that. Mm. And so it's all just kind of built up and it's created this kind of, I don't know, nervousness. Like whenever we have something social on and I know that it centers around food, I kind of have to um, like G myself up to attend and to in, and to be in the moment and enjoy mm. it. So, yeah, I just feel like it's really nice. That yeah, no, you have completely. That even though you have your own eating habits, like I too have my own eating habits and I don't like eating big, heavy, heavy carb um, carb meals unless I'm just with my husband because I get very uncomfortable. And mm. so if somebody says, oh, we're all going out for pizza, pizza's like my favourite thing in the whole wide world, but I prefer to just eat it at home or eat it just with my husband because I know that after two pieces it's going to like sit really uncomfortably in my tummy and I'm going to start complaining, oh, I'm sore, but I just want to keep eating it. And then I'm just yeah. gonna No, sometimes, sometimes I'm like that as well, but like <laughs> I feel like – now I just and I think because I've like since I've become a foodie I just eat whatever the hell I want basically like I used to follow um diets like I would go to the gym and stuff like that I think at one point so I think it was the first lockdown I um I was like I just gained all this weight and I went on god the worst diet I've ever been on um I lost weight I think I was losing like two kilos a week but the point was like the food was just like i had a tiny piece of meat. I wasn't allowed to mix different colored vegetables together. Mm-hmm. Like I was allowed like a teaspoon of dairy a day. Like it was something ridiculous. And um, it just made me so unhappy. And that's why like, I don't stick to to stuff like that anymore. Like I'll admit, you know, during the day I'll try and eat. Okay. Like I won't go and eat a burger every single day and stuff. But when I go out to eat, um, yeah, I, I don't hold back on that kind of stuff. But I know what you mean. Like when people say things, it, then it, I think for me, it, I saw it a lot in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think a lot of people would be not scared, but kind of a bit. You know, oh, I'm I'm coming back with like a bag of KFC, and everyone in the the kitchen's like cooking tuna and rice, and you know, you you kind of feel a little bit guilty about coming with that food. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I still see it now. Like a lot of the girls in our workplace, you know, they make tuna and, and rice bowls and stuff, and um you know we've got KFC down the road from work so when people come in they're like oh someone got the dirty bird today and um I know people make a joke about it but when you tell me stuff like this I think people need to I guess just to be like to be a bit more considerate about what they say in front of people when it comes to food because you don't know what people's history like is with food yeah Um, that's right and yeah I'm, I'm one of the people that um has like the same lunch every day and that always gains a lot of attention and people always think it's because of my various eating disorders that I've struggled with for majority mm. of my life or anything but it's totally not like eating mm. disorders or not bodybuilding competition life that was in the past or not I just love my tuna salad every day like five I did it with breakfast I, but I, I go through like I'll probably do it for like a week and a week or two like I'll have the same breakfast every day but then I change it up like I've just I know I just got to try different, different things. I just love food. I love to, you know, try as much as I can. So I do change it up every now and then, but 
Um, I did have a tuna rice bowl today, which is exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like a boss. I was telling everyone in the kitchen, I'm like, I just made my first lunch today. I made a tuna rice bowl today and it was awesome. I love tuna and rice together. But see, my, my lunch is always the same thing. Spinach yeah. leaves, all your all your veggies in there that usually belong in the salad. If you go out, for example, if you go out to dinner, say if you go to like, you know, the same restaurant, do you order the same like no. the same dish every time you go? No, no, no. I always try to mm. unless it's kind of like my local where I know what's good and that's kind of the thing that I always yeah. order from there. But if I go to a restaurant, even if I've been before and but I always try to get something a bit different yeah. no I'm not like that like if I'm going out I'm going to enjoy the food I'm not going to be yeah. searching for something that just makes me feel comfortable because it's my norm I love trying new things but you see whereas you're a small eater I'm, I'm a big eater and mm. um, like I really when I go out with my husband and I it's quite a spectacle like there's enough food on the <laughs> table for 10 people yeah so we'll prime the body for it we'll be like <laughs> not eat much during the day and then it'll be like a, a feast. It'll be, I'm sure that the, the treat, restaurants. Treat yourselves. Will, yeah. Well, like, yourself. well, he's a big eater as well. And that's one of yeah. the things that, you know, I I fell in love with that when I first um, got to know him, I was only, you know, like, I think I was 13 years old when I met my husband, but I was <laughs> already like such a, such a feeder. Like I just wanted to feed people to show my love. So yeah. it was already during a period of my life where I was getting really excited to be in the kitchen. So then when he became my boyfriend at 15, I loved feeding him. I just loved that, just sitting there watching with just just so <laughs> much joy as his eyes would roll back in his head when he ate something that I made. I'd be like, I'm just killing this game. I do I that with myself though. I, I dance when I eat. I just love that. I love yeah. that, you know, but I used to be really different with food. Like I would, God, when we used to go out to eat, I'd, I'd order my own main dish and like no one was allowed to touch it. Oh, yeah. So okay. I'd be like, okay, I want that pasta and that's it. Like that's my food. And honestly, since I've become like a foodie, changed. Like I'm all about sharing. The, the, the table needs to be filled with share plates and that's how I enjoy my food now. And it's good because like I can eat as much or as little as I want and you can't really tell and that's the thing yes. like, that's why I don't like getting my own meal because people can see then and there like how much I've eaten yeah and most of the time like I know it sounds really bad but like I'll just have like a couple of bites and then it looks like you know I haven't like I didn't enjoy it and I have had a few comments um from you know like wait staff or chefs like oh you didn't enjoy the food and I'm like no no I, I really did but like I just cannot eat that much so um, that's why I find just eating that way now. It's it's a lot easier for me. I, yeah. I mean, I can eat throughout the day. Like I'll, I'll eat throughout the day. It's just I can't eat in one hit anymore. Yeah, you're a grazer. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been through periods where I where I've been a grazer as well. But I do, I and I enjoy that shared style eating too. And most of the time, it's because I'm enjoying that with my husband and he'll polish off mm. the dishes and no one will know how much I ate anyway. But I do enjoy food. So if I'm going to, if we're going to go out, then I I do, I do tend to eat a little bit more than I usually would if I was at home. Mm. Um, but then there's the flip side of things. See, I like picking places to eat where the food will be um, fresh and light so I can enjoy a lot of it and so that we can mm. pick mm. lots of dishes um so yeah like I rarely go out for Italian anymore simply because 
I feel like we cook really good Italian food at home and oh, yeah. my mum spoils me with that. But then I've still got my favourite pizza places. So, but What anyway, is your favourite pizza place? I love Bella Brutta in, um, in Newtown. It's just yeah. it's really good. They use all have, the, you been to, have you been to La Desfida in Haberfield? I have, yes. That's, and that's funny that you mentioned that. That's my mum's favourite pizza place. So she reckons ah, that that's Your mum and I are the same. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really good. Um, I love everything about that place. There was a pizza place, and I'm not sure if it's still there, in at the very end um close to the wharf end of Balmain. It was called Capello's and they did extraordinary mm. pizza and I don't know if they still exist and I don't know if it's still as good, but that was where um, my hubby and I used to have all of our date nights back in, you know, when we first got married in 2013. I'm going to find out for you. Yeah, it's – um. Yeah, that was one of our favourites. But I think we're spoilt now in Sydney. Like there's lots popping up and most of it is – good like the quality and the standard has gone through the roof like I used yeah. to say Melbourne was the place to be for food and you know traveling yeah, to I Melbourne used to say that as well yeah well in Melbourne you're not you you if you're there you're going out for breakfast lunch and dinner like there's just so much variety and actually so going in choice. June yeah I'm going in yeah. July because my little brother's moved there um yep. so I'm excited to go to go down I haven't been down in a few years but um mm. I feel like where Sydney has become really competitive in like escape Australia it like it's really good um you've seen quality. my reviews I don't have a I don't have a negative review yeah and that's I'll, right like if I if I do have something like if I did go to a place and I didn't really enjoy it that much I probably won't post about it because um like for example there was this one venue that I was just really disappointed with and I didn't really say much about it but I wanted to have a chat with them first to kind of see what their story was because like you don't know with with businesses like what their what the reason was for having a really shitty night or like really shitty service or really shitty food um so I didn't really post much about it but I'll admit everything that I've been to has been good it mean I'm not saying everything is just like you know rainbows and butterflies and everything was absolutely perfect but it was good enough for me to make me want to go back. Mm. So I think Sydney is really great um, with food and obviously with the Crown, you know, um, being open. Like I've been to a couple of venues in the Crown and yeah. like they're really good. Encore was absolutely incredible. Yes, I saw um, pictures, yeah. Yeah, oh, so good. Absolutely amazing. So, yeah, don't need to go to Melbourne. I mean, Melbourne is nice, but yeah. I feel like, yeah, Sydney's definitely um, stepped up its game in terms of food and it's great to see um you know after two years of COVID that businesses are a lot more busier now I mean obviously there are still venues that are short stuff because their staff are getting sick and stuff but yeah. it's great to see um that businesses like are doing doing really well yeah and they've been dynamic as well like I was um through through the lockdowns I was looking online at what people were doing to keep their businesses active and a lot of them were getting mm. involved in that you know like take home I can't remember, Providor, I think it was yeah, called that. Yeah. So they were getting involved in that where, you know, they would deliver packages and you could kind of just do the last finishing touches. And I thought it was really great. Like the standard of food is just phenomenal. Like I've got a never-ending list of places that I feel like I need to visit. And then when my hubby goes, okay, so we're having a date night, where do you want to go? I get so overwhelmed. I'm like, which one do I pick? I don't know. Like I don't want to. I don't want to make the wrong choice. So I used to have a list, and now I don't have a list anymore. I just, I just go with the flow now because, like, I see all it. Like, 
there are some places that really, really stand out to me and those I'll actually write down, but a lot of them are like, yeah, I want to go. Yeah, I want to go. But like, I'm just, I'm just so overwhelmed. I don't put a list anymore. And it's just, when I think about it again, I'll do it. Um, but like, if I had to, if I had to pick a venue right now that like I've been dying to go to and I haven't gone to yet, I don't even know, hey. Yeah, see, it's hard. I'm the same. Like, I'm going out. <laughs> my, my hubby's taking me to a pottery class in Marrickville. A pottery Ooh. Yes, because I'm a creative all round and I like all of that yeah. kind of stuff. I like getting my hands dirty. And, it, and apparently for nine years married, the symbol is pottery. So he did something cute and booked a pottery class for us. I wonder, I'm just trying to think of the movie Ghost. Were yeah. they married? They wouldn't have been married for nine years. But I'm wondering if that was like... No, it could have been that. <laughs> but, yeah, pottery is one of the symbols for nine years. So that's what we're doing. And it's in Marrickville and he goes, come on, Beck, it's right up your alley, Marrickville, you know, so close to your old stomping ground. What are you going, where are we going for dinner? I'm like, holy moly, I don't know. I don't know. I can't pick a place. And Where was the last time you went to Marrickville? Oh, like my mum and dad live in Earlwood, so I'm always around Marrickville, but not at night. So I don't really I went know. recently. Do we just go further and go into Enmore or Newtown? Like where do you go? Like I should be able to pick a place from the top of my head, but I can't. Yeah, but like things are changing heaps. Like I I mean, I've barely been to Marrickville, but I know that where um, Marrickville Metro is, they built like this whole thing of restaurants. And I actually went to Slim's uh, Burgers there like a few weeks ago. Yeah. And like I was just like looking all over the place and I'm like, oh my God, there's just so many restaurants here. Like I didn't know this existed. So um, yeah, you'd be surprised like what just randomly appears. Like you probably think, oh, there's probably not much there, but there's probably more in Newtown and more you'd be surprised like how much has yeah. come up in Maryville as well. Um, even like, I mean, I don't really eat in Campsie. I live in Campsie, but I know that there's a couple of places here that people come out like they travel to Campsie for it. There's a place called, I think it's Albie's Kitchen or something, mm. and I haven't even been yet. Yeah, um, so I've got to explore my suburb first, I guess. I should do like a little foodie thing on Campsie, but I know Campsie Food Festival is happening soon. Oh, so that'll be good, yeah. I might um get a bit of content on that one. Well, I'm in Belmore, so I'm right near um, the main strip in La Kemba, Halden Street, and yeah. I have only driven through like – a dozen times in the last year that I've lived in Belmore and um I tried to go to the um the night, night festival store for yeah and I couldn't get parking and I was just so bummed like I was just seeing these crowds of people and I could just smell all this amazing food you know why you know why it became as big as it did this year why tiktok is that what it's tiktok's just everyone like because this festival's been going on for, Forever, for ages, yeah. I'm assuming, you know. Yeah. And um, like obviously now in the last couple of weeks, couple of years, I feel like TikTok and Instagram has just like really, really like taken off. And obviously with my food account, like I follow a lot of foodies and a lot of people who um, are involved with food and stuff. And almost every single one of my followers um, or people that I follow talked about it or went to it. And yeah, it was, it was really interesting because I read an article, um, I think it was on Broadsheet or Pedestrian or something, and it was about this lady who was saying, like, it's great that a lot of people are coming to, you know, the festival and stuff, mm. but I think people are actually forgetting what the festival's about yeah. and what it represents and the meaning behind it. And um, 
that's why like I mean I was I was curious like I did want to go but then at the same time like yeah I, I respect what the like why they did it yeah it's a religious um, festival at the end of the day it's about their fasting and it's about how they break their fast and a lot of people don't realize just, the symbolism in what they eat to actually break the fast before they have their big meals as well but it is just a crowd of west like westerners and that, yeah know, but like she was even but she was saying that um i think someone said to her like go back to where you came from like people were like there were actual racist mm. people or something like that and people were bringing their dogs and you're not supposed to bring animals mm, no. like um and I felt really bad because like obviously the people who um you know are Muslim or you know they obviously haven't been eating all day and then when they come to this festival to try and get food it's already been taken up by people mm. who just want to get content for yeah, you know so, so true. I had a I had a bit of like mixed opinions on that kind of stuff, but look, I think it's great that a lot of people are embracing other people's cultures, but I think it just needs to be done a bit more respectfully. Yeah, so um, well, I understand what you're saying. I kind of wanted to be immersed in it because I've always wanted to go, but we've lived mm. a little bit further out. Now it's around the corner from me. I live in this area. I'm exposed to, you know, an array of cultures now that I wasn't mm. in my previous suburb, but I'm also a studies of religion teacher. So I know a lot about um, Islam and I wanted mm. to be immersed in that culture and, you know, be one of the respectful ones, but and yeah, I wanted yeah. to, but anyway, my point to all of this is I didn't get to go to, um, to the food festival, but last night I was, I was um, driving through Howden street needed to go mm. past the chemist and it's always vibrant like it's just as vibrant last night as what you know you would you would expect on Friday night in on another main strip like it's, it's a very people, well-known street it's people everywhere and I was like I'm I feel like that I'm spoiled for choice here like if I wanted to stop for food I wouldn't know where to begin there are so mm. many so many restaurants on that strip and all of them were packed like mm. with people from those cultures as well, so you know it's good if if the, if people that oh yeah you know, for sure yeah you know it's sure good if they're sitting in there eating, and I was like I wouldn't know where to start like if I wanted to it's it's literally walking distance from my house I wouldn't know where where to stop but it's I'm quite, I'd be close to there too as well so yeah hey if you need anyone to join you yeah we should eat there totally I'll come with you yeah they're like a Holden Street um crawl. That's yeah, what it yeah, yeah. They literally do that, great. and they have cur- like they have curbside um uh canafe, like just normal, like it's just always there. Big my mum makes a really good canafe. Yum! Bring me some. She, it's one well, of my favourites. Quite so. well. You know, I haven't even been to the um the actual canafe truck. Like oh, really? the the, the boys, yeah, the can- yeah, the canafe. It's really interesting. Truck. I remember when really I it was actually yummy i haven't tried it yet i mean I, I see them and i see like them dance around and stuff but like i just hate waiting for food i hate lines i hate around. crowds um but i remember when they first spoke about it we were actually at um it's not there anymore but that little restaurant that was on george's river road in, in croydon park yeah um i kind of remember the name of what the rest the restaurant used to be but there's been heaps of businesses that replaced that corner so anyway those guys used to be there yeah. and one of the guys, um, we were there for a birthday and one of the guys that owns the Kenefi thing came up and he's like, I'm starting this new idea of like Kenefi running from a food truck. And I was like, oh, that's, that's nice. Like, you know, good luck with it and everything. And um, look what it's become. It's this yeah, huge thing. 
And it is the spectacle because they do, yeah. you know, but it is good too. It's yummy. And they have a way of, they have a real personal touch in, despite the crowds, they always make you feel really special when you're there. Yeah. Like they'll write a cute little note on your box the when, and when you walk away or something. It's, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah. Like I think I've that's why friends, they're, yeah. Sorry, go on. No, no, I think that's why, like, they're as big as they are and why people love to talk about them because it's not just, yeah, like as you said, you're not just standing there and, and waiting for food. Like they give you some sort of like entertainment or they make your um, your order like personalised and stuff. And I think that's really important with businesses like that. So. Yeah, the food truck scene has to be like that to be memorable, I think, because that's mm. another thing that's on the rise. And I was just at, um, I was at Meat Stock on um, like last weekend and – we were just about to leave. So you can imagine, first of all, everybody's got their, their stalls set up. And when I went mm. three years ago before COVID happened and postponed every single meat stock after the last one I went to pretty much, um, it's grown so much. There are so many doing the same kind of food and you feel like you just need multiple stomachs to try all of it. But I was about to um I was about to leave actually and my my eldest son Aurelio he saw this the sweet tent he was like because it's mm. bright colors big pink donut on the entrance and he's like mama I want to go in there I want to go in there and um you know there was gelato there was like all kinds of things cookies and waffles and everything but then I saw this this van and there was a line that was spanning like you know, almost a hundred meters or something. And mm. of course, Aurelia was like, I want that. And I'm like, oh, I'm not standing <laughs> in this line, mate. And he's like, no, mama, I want that. And it was an ice cream sandwich, a cookie ice cream sandwich. Really? And I'm like, this is smart. This is easy to run. There's not a whole lot of packaging. There's not a whole lot of thought that needs to go into the ingredients. Yeah. People were lining up like crazy, Jess. It was something unbelievable for literally you pick a cookie flavour out of three and um, they were just sandwiching vanilla vanilla ice cream in between but then you could pick like a drip, so Biscoff or Nutella and then a crumb like Oreo or whatever. You want me craving an ice cream sandwich They're right called, <laughs> they're called Stroop Brothers, I think. And um, they okay. do like uh, they do um, a particular waffle as well with like caramel inside. I think that it's um, I think it originated in Amsterdam or something. This particular waffle, anyway. So I had to stand in this line with all the other people that wanted this cookie sandwich. But it's really like of all things, it was, was tasty. It worth it? Yeah, look, like he he enjoyed it. I'm really savory. Like I enjoy sweets here and there. Yeah. But I'm a very savory kind of person. Same. Um, but he loved it. I tasted it as well because when I got to that, when I got to order, it was one of my ex students running it as well, and I was actually proud of her for sticking to her guns because I remember her telling me in like year nine that <laughs> she was a bit dis- awesome. she was a bit disconnected from school, and I was like, well, you need school, and she's like, oh no, miss, I'm gonna run a food truck one day, <laughs> and this girl is literally running this food truck, and I'm like. And here we all are lining up for your ice cream. That is insane. That is crazy. I love that. So it was really good. Good Yeah, look, simple things from just literally all you need is one good thing on the menu and the people will come if it's good, if it's Instagrammable and if it's yummy. Oh, yeah, that's that's what it is. Everything just has to be Instagrammable these days. A hundred percent. So And it's got to taste good as well, though. Like that's – it's got to, you know, and there's there's only like – 
I don't know, I haven't been to a lot of like Instagrammable cafes, whatever, but you know, half the time things look really good, but they actually like, meh, could, it could taste better. Yeah, I think a lot of people just think about presentation, but I actually started my own um, business during lockdown, last yeah, lockdown. Tell me. I did a dessert dip, so. Cheap never dip really- hooray. Cheap dip hooray. I love it. Bring yeah. back cheap dip hooray. Where did it oh. go? I don't have time anymore. Like it was like, I still had my full-time job, but I was just working from home and obviously I couldn't go out to eat and, you know, I was doing video reviews, but it just wasn't enough for me. Like I needed, I needed to do something else. I had just, I've got to keep my mind busy. Like, you know, there's been times in my life where I've just had like really quiet periods and it's kind of left me alone with my thoughts and they haven't been really good thoughts. So, um, you know, I just wanted to keep myself busy and that's why I started it. And it honestly really started when I was just because I love designing things like logos and posters and designs and stuff. I did design like after I left school. So um, it's really weird. I, I kind of think about the name of the business and then I kind of think about what the business will be based on that. So anyway, I was talking to like a couple of foodies about it and I felt like when I, would, when I was talking to people about it, it was going to push me to actually start something. And like, no offense to anyone who does grazing boxes, but I was just so sick of seeing grazing yeah, boxes man, pop up during lockdown. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to do something that no one has ever done before. And I've never really seen dessert dips. It was like a cream cheese based dip, but they were all sweet. And they had, you know, I had like cookie dough. I had brownies. I had, you know, quite a few flavors. And it went really well in the beginning like obviously I had you know my followers to kind of support me with it and stuff and um it definitely kept me busy and a lot of people you know enjoyed them um even my boss they looked so insane yeah I was I was really happy with them and my boss who I worked for full-time supported my side hustle he ended up like ordering you know a whole bunch of boxes to give to like all his um you know, his business partners and stuff like that, like his, his friends. And, um, it meant a lot to me. And then once lockdown ended and people started going out again and stuff, it started to quiet down a little bit. And at the end of the day, I just couldn't give it my hundred, 150%. <laughs> like yeah. I just, and it was really so hard to with food business. Yeah, exactly. It was just hard to balance all three things. So, you know, I don't, I don't plan to quit my full-time job anytime soon. Like, you know, that's, that's my steady income. Um, the food stuff, like I do that on the side and, you know, I don't really get paid for, for any of that stuff, I'll admit. Um, and then, yeah, I just don't have time to run anything else. Look, I'm hoping one day, eventually, if I do have the time, I will bring it back because I think it was a great idea yeah, and great, it's something I'm, I'm very proud of. Yeah. Um, really weird that I did a, sweet business when I'm more of a savory girl but I too had a sweet business as well I just was doing chocolate so um and it it really took off during lockdown as well but then pregnancy a third pregnancy with already two little ones um very close in age and then yeah yeah just just get thrown I think that that things like that sometimes you just need to just shelf the idea for a moment like at the moment it's not I'm not saying I'm never going to do Bex level chocolates again I'm just Mm. I've just shelved it for now yeah so a lot of people did it though like I know a few people who started things in lockdown and then I think when I ended up coming out with the news that I was like going to end it I think I had a couple of people say 
I want to do the same thing too because I started it during lockdown, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think it was very normal for people to do things like that. And I have no regrets. Like I had fun doing it. Um, you know, the idea was there and And you brought people yeah, like joy in lockdown. Which yeah. Is, yeah. Part I mean, of the people reason might have why... gained like maybe people gain more kilos, but I don't care. I'm like they were happy. And I think actually my sister's friend, well, my my brother-in-law's sister was like, I was craving her dips the other day. Why doesn't she bring them back? Yeah. But like it's just it's hard, you know, and I, I just can't give my own business like a little bit of attention. Like it needs my full attention. And when I've got two other things, you know, running in the back, like I just can't do it. And the, the food thing, I'm really passionate about it. Like I absolutely love it. You know, when I first started it, it was just like, you know, just something to do on the side. But now I, I take it a lot more seriously. You know, I've worked with a lot of businesses. Um, I've worked with great brands. Like it's, it's just been amazing. And, um, you know, I was taking photos with my phone and now I've got like a proper camera and I just, I want to buy, oh, I want to buy a better camera and I just want to go all out. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't really have much free time to myself, but I don't care because in the time that I have, when I'm not doing my nine to five job, I'm actually doing something that I love. Yeah, so I love that. It's that's genuine. what I do. I love that it's genuine for you. And I know, um, that, like you mentioned that you surround yourself a, a lot now with other foodies. What was your mm. life like before you discovered that you had a kind of real natural knack for um, reviewing food and going out and collaborating with other foodies? <laughs> I had no life. <laughs> I had no life. I, like, I worked a lot, you know, I just always had like a nine-to-five job kind of thing and then, yeah, I would just go straight home after. Mm. Um I didn't really have any friends, like never had like relationships. Like I had like one or two friends here and there, but yeah, barely went out. And then, you know, went through a bit of shit. Um, I mean, I went through like a, a painkiller addiction, codeine addiction in 20, oh God, I think it started like maybe 2013 or something. And then um, the first thing I did when I left the mental health clinic was booked a macaron making class and I went and made macarons. Oh, wow. Um shout out, shout out to Carlos at Mac Mac Macarons. Um and that was like the first thing I did when I left. And that's when I realized then and there that I just had to keep myself busy. Yeah. Um but it took me, yeah, like that was in 2017 and I didn't start really doing much or like getting involved in the food thing until like, you know, like 2019, 2020. Um, so yeah, I think it really, it really changed my life for the better. Yeah. Um, even just before I became a foodie and even like at one stage when I was in there, like, you know, I had people say to me, like, we thought you were going to, you were going to die. Like I've been through a lot of shit, but, um, this thing this like, this keeps me busy. I've made amazing friends and I'm always doing something. And I think my friends have been an amazing support. And these are friends that I've made in the food community. So it's definitely a very positive thing that has happened for me. Yeah, it's um, amazing. And I, look, I'm not going to forget the life that I had before that. Like, you know, I'm always going to remember like what I've been through and stuff. But, um, yeah, doing this now just made me realise like how lucky I am and it's only going to go up from here. Yeah. So, And what a way to turn things around. And now you have this beautiful 
genuine foodie community that love following you. Um, yeah. And like they're interactive followers. That's the thing that I really like about your page. And I really love that you're spending time with a lot of the other foodies that are following you as well. Um, yeah, I just love that whole social aspect because on social media you should be being social so that's what it's there for yeah, that's the whole point yeah. to it social media is to be social with other people that's, that's why, why my that's why it kept me going me too. yeah, yeah. So. like some people just like to I mean Instagram is is a lot about like photos and stuff but um you know I, I see a lot of accounts where it's you know like not many people are really interacting with their followers and stuff and um that's what actually made me like fall in love with it even more like the fact that I had people commenting on my stuff saying that I actually really like your stuff and I'm like okay I'm actually really good at this you know and yeah. um I love going and supporting other people like there was like during lockdown the amount of businesses that like I wanted to help and support like I tried to, to do it as much as I could like I would mm. buy from small businesses um and just I did this thing called uh Friday favorites or something and I would like share four of my favorite posts from fellow foodies yeah. um and even now like if there's something you know a foodie post something that I really like and I think their photos are, are awesome and stuff like I'm happy to share it um but I don't like I know I did say that like I was like I want free cake this is why I'm doing it <laughs> like it's not like that for me anymore and it, it's it's not about like getting free food or, or whatever because it's not it's not about that for me. Like it's me supporting businesses, me, you know, showing off my talent with photography and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, I just, I just want to get bigger and better. Yeah. You can tell that you're passionate about it, Jess. And even the fact that when I reached out and said, I'd love to have a chat, this is my podcast. This is the whole goal, what I'm doing. I'm writing a book and it's all about the emotional connection we have to food. And mm. you were just so on board and, you know, and that, was really lovely for me to see because there are a lot of food bloggers that just say, meh, if you're not going to get me followers or something like that, well, kind of what's in it for me? And it's like you're sharing your story with someone who's writing something that's, you know, quite profound. Like there isn't a lot that is written on this kind of thing. There's a lot of cookbooks out there. There's a lot of books about, um, you know, like these fantasy food experiences that people have but this is so like just such a deep emotional connection and I was just so pleased that you agreed to um to have a chat with me because yeah there are lots of food bloggers that wouldn't. I mean if you asked me if you asked me a year ago I'd probably be like oh my god no like I'm just <laughs> dead shitless I won't say anything because I'd like God, I was just, not that I was quiet, but like, I just did not have any like sort of confidence to like get on to talk to people or even like do, even to get on camera. Like I didn't even show my face in the beginning when I, when I started my food blog. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't know it now. Look, this is great. Like you're just like, I'm happy to share. And I think that's what, like why, you know, I get along with a lot of many, like get along with a lot of people because I'm just genuine and I'm like open about things and you know I'll say it how it is kind of thing and I actually met a foodie recently that um and it like it'll stick with me forever but she said like it was so nice to meet you you know you're like you're just so genuine and stuff so and I think that's what gets you far in life being genuine like it's not about you know how many follow like I, I don't even have like I don't have 10,000 followers you know I don't have like 50,000 followers but it's just 
I'm doing what I'm doing. Like I don't mm. want to buy followers. Like, I mean, yeah, my goal's to get like bigger, but I'm going to do it the right way. And just by being me and just, you know, posting what I post, not changing anything. And, um, you know, as I said, just supporting other businesses, not expecting everything to be handed to you on a silver platter. Like you've got to work hard for it. You've got to, you know, take unpaid gigs. You've got to, you know, like you just got to go through the shit to get to like the good stuff. And yeah. um, so I'm doing that as well. But like, as I said, always happy to support businesses. Like even if it doesn't really benefit me, if it benefits them, then I've done my job. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so good, yeah. always happy for a chit chat, you know. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, I was going to ask you a few other questions but we've kind of already oh, answered them like I was gonna ask you if you enjoy cooking as much as you enjoy eating but you don't cook so that's that. I will uh, I will cook one day you will I you will, will cook one day I, I love watching you. cooking shows Just soon you're gonna be on TikTok cooking way your hello fresh or something I'll, I'll, be, I'll be the next Donna Hay I love it <laughs> um one thing that I was going to ask you, since you do eat with lots of other foodies, um, if you could eat with one person, dead or alive, doesn't matter, who would it be and where would you take them? I think I wonder if a lot of people would come up with the same answer as I would, but Anthony Bourdain. Yeah. Right. So absolutely love him. God rest his soul. Um, I was absolutely devastated when he passed away. But, yeah, I just used to watch all his, um, like, all his shows, like when he would go out to eat. Like I was more interested in the foodie ones than more of the travel ones. I just loved watching him eat. And um, I know that he went to Lebanon a couple of times and I know he got caught up in the war in 2006. Mm -hmm. And for him to go back and still, like, want to experience Lebanon like that, that meant a lot. Like, I mean, I was born here. I was raised here. Like, I, I talk about living on, like, you know, I lived there and I was born no, here. No, but you're stuff, first gen, so you're, like, I'm, only slightly removed. Yeah, like, I absolutely love it. And the fact that he went there and the way he would talk about it, like, you know, he's just absolutely loved him. And um, I would have him come over for a Sunday lunch. <laughs> you can get drunk with my dad. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I just love – I would love to have him um, – you know, over for dinner. I wouldn't take him to a restaurant. I'd actually have him over for dinner. Yeah, that's so cool. Or lunch. I'd probably do the same. I just loved, I I really, really loved him. And I spent many a morning just going through all of his food travel series and Mm. um, just pedaling on the bike when I had to do cardio for bodybuilding at like 4am in the morning. And I just like, I was just eating that up. Like he, and I loved that he would um, pick a cheese platter over dessert. That's so me. I would love seeing yeah, a cheese platter. I had that once. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I just loved everything about him and just, yeah, you know what? I think I would, I think I would go the same. I think I'd like yeah. to eat with him too. And yeah, I was very devastated when, um, tragic circumstances anyway, so many things that I can I know, relate it makes to, you, to, but yeah, just in that. It makes moment. you wonder, like you could have, you could have all the money and all the fame in the world and stuff, but like when you're not happy, you're just not happy yeah. and like you know a lot of people would would talk like highly of him and stuff and people are like but why do you look up to him like he was someone that ended up killing himself and it's like it's not about that like you I remember what he was like when he was alive and the impact that he made on people when he was alive yeah. um everyone knows well 
I thought everyone knew who he was, but I was actually having this conversation with a foodie the other day and I mentioned Anthony Bourdain and she's like, who? Oh, no. Oh, no. I was like, That's a shame on her part. <laughs> she's young, but, like, I, I felt like, yeah, I thought for that everyone knew who he was. But, um, yeah, like he just, him and I don't know if you know these other guys, but Mark Weens is also a food blogger as well. He does a lot of, well, actually a food blogger. He does a lot of um, food blogging. And Anthony Rahale, who's from Lebanon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's those guys that inspire me to get more involved with video um, reviews and, mm-hmm. and they make me want to travel the world and do stuff like that because, I mean, look, there are heaps of places in Sydney that I want to visit, but there is a big part of me that just wants to go all over the world and, and eat food that way. Like mm. a few years ago, if it was for travel, it would be like, yeah, I want to travel and go shopping. Um, but now it's like, no, nah, I want to travel for food. My whole itinerary, Actually, no. my whole itinerary is always, where are we eating? We have to plan activities that the locals will do around those food establishments only. <laughs> That's yeah, no, no. Idea. Like now, now it's who, but the, the only country that I was like, no, nah, it's always been about food is the States. Mm. always like I bro I had in and out in America and I was such an idiot I left it on the last day of my holiday to have in and out and yeah it's Otherwise worth you would have been eating it the entire I would have been eating it. oh have you had in and out yeah I have yeah yeah I've I had it in New York that was the only place that I had in and out because there's so many good burger places in the states there so was I'd, one yeah, I'm thinking of the one in New York. There was one in New York City because my family's from there. So my cousin knows where everything is. And we went to this hotel lobby, yeah. right? It's really fancy, schmancy hotel lobby. And you walk through and then there's like this little like neon light of a burger. And then you go into there and it's like this dark room and there's like graffiti on the walls. And I'm like, what is this place? We're in a fancy hotel lobby and there's like this little, you know, best burgers I've ever had. Yeah. There's, I love places like that. Yeah. Um, just the States is just, it's food place after food place there. Like you can't, yeah. That's, there's a reason why there's an obesity crisis in America. Oh. I don't blame them. I'd probably be rolling if I lived there. Seriously. Well, they've, got many, they've got many crises. Is yeah. that even a word? Crises is yeah. the moment in America. Crises, but crises yeah. <laughs> crises. Yeah. <laughs> They don't do anything by halves. Yeah, very good food, but yeah, not not somewhere that I'll probably be rushing to go back to at the moment. There's a whole another. There's a whole world to to visit. But yeah, I do. I do love. There are places in America that I'm missing very much. But yeah, I think. Did you go to LA? Yes, but California in general. See, lots of people um, don't like LA, but I had a a, um, girlfriend from uni that moved to LA, and she showed me the real. LA and I loved it I ended up really falling in love with LA as in as in like you stayed away from downtown LA yeah no that wasn't our that wasn't what we were doing we were doing LA like the locals do LA because she's a local so she took us around and I think um, that's the thing about LA though like when people say I hate LA you find out that these people were staying in downtown LA you do not stay in downtown LA like I went and stayed mm -hmm. up um luckily I was like I was just lucky I just booked and happened to book the right places but if you're staying on Sunset or like West Hollywood that's that's the nice part of LA but when you go like go down south and you've got like sorry like downtown and there's like Skid Row which is where all the homeless um junkies live like that's that's what's 
Like that's LA. But even still, like if you're just sticking to like, um, you know, Hollywood Boulevard or whatever, if Mm. you're just, if you, then you're not really getting the full experience. Like my girlfriend took us to Culver City, which is like old Hollywood and the food. Oh, it's a whistle there. The food scene there is so cool. It's really cool. And Californian style eating is exactly like what we were talking about before. It's that real shared style and. We yeah. really just fell in love while we were in LA. Um, I don't think I had a bad meal while I was there. I had really good vegan food there. At, um, oh, vegan uh, food. What was the place called? Um, Cafe Gratitude. Cafe Gratitude. Yeah. Really good vegan food and just, yeah, just really good um, shared plates in, in LA, especially, but Californian style is, all, is the way to go. Anyway, I loved it there. Yeah, I loved it. I'd, I'd go back. I would definitely go back. And I actually yeah. felt really safe in LA. But, yeah, I didn't do the touristy stuff. Like no, I would go to – I hated it. Like I just forced myself to do the Walk of Fame just so people knew that I was in Hollywood. And I was like, yeah, I mean, but, like, I would go to this um, – I think it was called Dialogue Cafe or something, and it was just off sunset. I actually walked past Rikisha Bates that morning. Yeah, there you go. Um, and I was just like – I had to pretend that I was cool, you know, because I'm a local, right? Um, and I used to get like this cheese and egg muffin every morning yeah. and I'd get an orange juice because I'll admit coffee in the States is just shit. So yeah, I would not just – a lot of good coffee. No, no. So I stuck to juice instead, but that's how I like to live. I like to live like a local. Yeah, I don't want people to know that I'm a tourist. So, um, yeah, look, I'm hoping to go back or – at least go overseas next year I feel like I feel like this year is the first year in like two years or whatever that it's that it looks a bit more normal like a lot of my mm. friends are now heading overseas so it's good to see that happening but I feel like next year would be a lot unless yeah. another strain comes along who knows Don't say that. I can't <laughs> do another strain I can't do another lockdown I've got three now three kids it was hard enough being pregnant and having to entertain two yeah. very little boys very little active boys it was too hard for me. I think I, I will. I'll go in. I'll go insane. You can just yeah book me a room at the. Well, no one's really. No one's really talking about it anymore. Now it's everyone's it's talking old news. About everybody's it got. Everybody's getting COVID, so everybody's kind of just moving on. It is. It's like the flu kind of thing. So well, the flu is worse now. Yeah, like lots of people, people are getting. getting yeah, yeah. The amount of people I've um, you know, the last couple of weeks with the flu, it's been really bad. But now, like. Yeah, like if I'm sick, I stay home. But if I'm not, like I just I'm over the whole rule things. Like it's just time to live life normally again. Yeah, we've got to go back out, out there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can look forward to a night out in two weeks. So we'll have a chat one of these days, and I'll pick your brain about where I should be eating since I'm going out. Oh, like, you I know, literally have to me. pre-prepare for this kind of stuff. I don't want to be disappointed. It's so hard when yeah, but when people say like, where should I go to eat? Like. There's just so many places no, I can no, recommend. That's a thing. But but if you if there was one place that I had to pick right now, Ezra in Potts Point. Okay. Massive shout out to Ezra in Potts Point. So <laughs> I always talk about this place. This is like my favorite venue in Sydney, and it's been my favorite venue in Sydney for a while. So it's um it's located on Kellett Street, so just behind like the busy streets yeah, and like no, King's no, Cross no, and stuff like that. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Like the owners, Nick and Coke, they are absolutely lovely. The food is just incredible. Like they put I know I'm Lebanese and like hummus is just supposed to be just hummus, but my, they put like a smoked egg on top of it. Mm. If my dad saw it, he'd probably be like, what is this shit? Like you don't put egg on top of it. It works. 
Oh, it I'd eat that. I, I, anything with egg, I'll eat. Yum. Yeah, you would, you would love it. And then, like, they, they bake their um, bread. Like, so they've got the Jerusalem bagel and um, their bread just, like, it's cooked fresh every day. And, like, oh, you can oh. – <laughs> I'm getting really excited talking about it. Um, and picklebacks. Do you know what a pickleback is? No. Okay. So I had my first pickleback at Ezra. And basically, so the first thing, for, like they actually send you a text message half an hour before you're supposed to have your, um, like, before your reservation. And they're like, you're due at our venue in like half an hour. Please let your waiter know if you want a pickleback. And I was like, all right, what's a pickleback? So basically it's a shot of whiskey. Ooh. Followed by a shot, yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Followed by a shot of pickle juice. Oh, that is so me. I'm the girl that drinks the pickle juice from the jar. Like then, a pickle back is is like, yeah, you're you're gonna love it. So go to Ezra and start off with a pickle back. Have another one halfway through the night. Then finish finish it off. But but, like, that's my favorite thing. I would get a tattoo of a pickle back. It doesn't look fancy. You have. I'm gonna research this now. Maybe yeah. I'll get a tattoo of a pickleback too. That can be my next tattoo. Maybe we'll go together. Picklebacks yeah. and tattoos. I'll get the shot of whiskey on mine and then you can get the shot of pickle juice on yours. <laughs> but it's really so it's good. really good. Yeah, because like obviously the whiskey like burns your throat a little bit, but then the pickle juice just like soothes it. And it's just like and even Yum. if you don't like pickles, because my friend, um my friend, oh god, I don't know, all of them don't like pickles, but when they had it, because I've I just force people to have it. I'm like, you have to have it. They're like, oh, actually not that bad. It's like the just get whiskey free- equivalent of a dirty vodka martini with olive brine. It's the, mm, it's the whiskey yeah. equivalent. It's the same yeah. It's the same method. It's, it's not yeah. madness at all. It's, it, it actually no, it's should cool. work. It's perfection. So, Yum, that is yeah. totally going to be my thing from now on. I'm going to do it at they, home. I've got pickles in the fridge. I'm going to – do they do something fancy with the pickle juice or is it literally just no, the juice? They just it? pour it in there. And usually, like, I think they usually serve it with, like, Jamison. Mm, okay, yeah. Um, but – It could go something fancy. I've got some fancy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you should really – that should be the place that you go out to, okay, Ezra, and then Ezra. start off your night with a pickle bat. Okay. I like this. Oh my god, I'm so excited for you right now. Maybe I should go there, but it's a bit of a distance from Marrickville. I might have to save it. We'll sort it out. But the pickleback pickleback is winning me. Oh my god, I'm so happy I told you about a pickleback. I'm so happy too. Anything that (laughs) anything that that involves whiskey? Yeah, anything that involves whiskey. It's in my bio. I'm a whiskey drinker, caffeine addict or something. I did a I did a whiskey tasting as so I did a I've done a couple of whiskey tastings. You should come with me. Yeah, I'd love to actually. That's right up my alley. I went to Tassie in two thousand and nineteen for the first Mm. time. And something crazy like there's apparently like 150, probably more now, but about 150 distilleries that are dealing with, you know, like vodka, gin and whiskey in the whole country and 80 of them are in Tassie. And I wouldn't drank, be surprised. I drank so much, in, so much good whiskey in Tassie, like mm. Bel- Belgrave Distillery. I'm going to do my own shout out. I think Dad and I, like I went with my parents and my hubby and my father-in-law and I think Dad and I worked our way through at least 20 of their whiskies and each one of them were brilliant. And to pick one bottle to bring home, because you're like $300 a bottle, you're not going to buy 10 bottles, are you? Um, <laughs> to pick one was almost impossible. It was all incredible. 
the whiskey yeah. in Tassie. In fact, any anything like I'm I'm not really I'm not a big fan of gin, but I'm starting to like it. But the gin that I had in Tassie, incredible, and the vodka that I had in Tassie was incredibly clean. I don't know, must be that's, that's must where be I want to go air down there. <laughs> Yeah, no, I've clean heard, water and fresh air. I've heard nothing but good things about Tassie. Good for food. Yeah. And I don't know why I just won't go. Maybe because I feel like it's just not like it's just this little. No, it's vibing. Being like, off like, you know. No, and I was only really centered around Hobart, but like I didn't even get to go to like Launceston and do mm. you know, the whole thing. And it's only quite small. Like you could drive it in. In a week you could do a road trip and it would be amazing. You know what? I reckon at the end of the year I'll do it because I'm doing Melbourne. I'll do Melbourne in June. That's already booked. And then obviously I'm not going overseas until next year. So I reckon that'll be – because I've done – I mean, there's still many – yeah. Like I wanted to do – I've done – oh, God, I hated Gold Coast, but I went and stayed on Surface Paradise. Like as I said, not a very touristy person, so probably worst place to stay. But I definitely want to do Adelaide. Um. Really good again, there too. Yeah. Um, I should probably do the country first before I go see it. But I've been to Lebanon five times and I've been to oh, the state so three times. Yeah, yeah, actually, first time I went was 2000 and that was because the Olympics were here. So we had a lot of time off school. Mm. Um, so I was really young and we went for three months. So, so imagine cool. me at such a young age not knowing anything like I didn't appreciate Lebanon the way that I do now. So when I was there in 2000, you know, yeah, three months, and then we went in 2003. Um, and then when my parents were like, let's go in, I think it was 2013. 2013 was when we went. And um, I said to my parents, no, I don't want to go. Like, you know, my parents were like, yeah, but you're older now. Like this was 10 years ago. You know, you've grown up a lot more. You'll mm. appreciate things. You'll do things um, very differently now. Like you'll be able to go out for coffees or whatever and they were right like when I went in 2013 that's when I really fell in love with it and then I was back in 2015 and then 2019 I got back in September so just before just before everything happened and look Lebanon's going through a lot of shit right now they are struggling but um I'm, I'm hoping that it'll be okay because I, I I really do want to go back and I think everyone who wants to go should go. You don't even have no, you don't have to be Lebanese to go, but I feel like advice. I would want to do Lebanon with someone Lebanese though, just because of what they're going going through. You, you have to, you have to, because you may end up at a club and order a big bottle of vodka, but you might not be getting vodka. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> well, yeah, you need to I think that's that's somewhere where I would only go with a Lebanese friend. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. So if anyone's thinking about it, do it. Just make sure you've got a Lebanese friend with you to do it but yeah I will go I've also I've, I want to do Italy for sure oh yeah go um ahead. France but stay away from Paris and Finland yeah that would be cool mm. yeah something different um I would love to do Japan but yeah, same. yeah just very overwhelmed with like you know in a country where I don't speak the language and that's that's the thing like Lebanon and, and America like obviously I can speak the language or I can understand bits and pieces yeah but going to a country where like I know nothing it can be terrifying but I think in saying that like I think it would be a good experience mm. I'm, Japan's on my list but I'm not going mm. I'm not going anywhere too exotic or amazing until my kids have grown up a little bit like I could probably yeah. get away with going 
to Italy in maybe a few years' time just because I'm comfortable there. I've been a couple of times, but I've also just got family everywhere, so I've got yeah. help. I can yeah, exactly. have someone to hold a child. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I definitely um, highly recommend getting to Tassie and to Adelaide, though. Like, yeah, we've got so much to see in this country. Might as well enjoy it and then, yeah, do some cool travel next year. Even New South Wales, I feel like there's a lot to see as well. And I think a lot of people experienced it during lockdown when they couldn't really leave the state. Yeah, Um, true. So I will will get around to it. But, yeah, it's all going to be based around food. J.R. Eats does Australia. J.R. Eats does the world. I love it. I love that. (laughs) All right, Jess, it's been really nice talking to you. I have a question that I always finish um, every interview on, and that is to sum it up, what place does food have in your life? What place does food have in my life? It's It plays a very, very big part in my life, that's for sure. It's very important for me. Um, and it's definitely got a lot to do with the fact that it kind of saved me. Um, and that sounds really weird to say, how can food save someone? But it really did. It's just the whole um, experience that I've had with it. So, you know, I've always loved it, always going to love it, but now I feel like it's got more meaning to me than it ever has before. You know, it's it, it really actually saved, like I can actually say it, it did save my life. Yeah, so, so profound, this massive Jess, what it's done for you. Like who would have thought food would save someone's life, but if it if I didn't have this, like, yeah, I probably wouldn't, wouldn't be here. So That's massive. It's very important for me. It's got, it plays a very, very big part of my life and it's got a, yeah, I love that. very big place in my life. I love that, Jess. Um, yeah, every bit of getting to know you and your story and your passion and your love for food has been really incredible for me. Um, it's been seriously a joy talking to you and I really feel like we're going to connect a lot more over time over whiskey and who pickleback. knows what else? People definitely a pickleback's <laughs> gonna come in somewhere there, and yeah, For sure. maybe a meal on Howden Street one of these days. So really Sounds great like talking to you, Jess, and I will chat to you soon. Maybe there'll be a part Thank two you. to this. Thanks, Jess. Hell yes, stay tuned. Thank you. If you'd like to connect with me, you can reach out on my socials at For Forksake Podcast. That's on Instagram and Facebook, or you can even drop me an email for Forksake Podcast at gmail.com.